You are listening to 94.9 Radio Western, and welcome to another edition of Outlook with myself, Brian, and my sister is here. Yeah, uh, back again. I was sick last week, but uh, back again on another rainy Monday in October. Yeah, we were going to try and make it in for Thanksgiving Monday. Uh, There weren't a lot of people here that day anyway, and Carrie was not feeling good, unfortunately, so we couldn't make it, but we are back today, and... We have a special guest. Yes. Say hello, special guest. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you, you were in town here on your Ontario visit. Uh, we sort of s- snagged you here for this uh, interview, so that's great that you could be here. Um, you're, you're not from Ontario. Well, well, I was originally from Ontario, but I right. retired in 2014. I used to be a re- rehabilitation teacher in Toronto, except that I taught iPhone for the last three or four years of it, so I guess I was more of an iHabilitation teacher, which is now the name of my company. My name's Tom Decker, by the way, and uh, now I'm sort of retired, but trying to go back into business and trying to promote political activities that... Uh, work on accessibility and that sort of thing. So it's all part of being, what do we call it, semi-retired, I suppose. Right. Yeah, sounds like you've retired, but you're still doing a lot of stuff. So, yeah, it's great, though, you know, keeping busy. And But how do you like it out there in um, B.C.? Well, the weather is wonderful. The public transit leaves a lot to be desired. And mm-hmm. Victoria, as beautiful a city as it is, is not necessarily so accessible because there are lots of five- and six-way intersections with multiple islands at an intersection. So there's a lot of intersections there that I'm advised not to try to cross. So it puts a bit of a cramp in wandering around. In certain ways, I felt com- more comfortable living in New York City when I lived there than I do in Victoria, but yeah, the weather is nice, and there's a lot of wonderful things about it. Yeah, no, it it was um, it blew me away when I heard you used to live in New York. There, that's, um, but maybe start with um, you are blind, correct? I am a blind person. I've been blind mm-hmm. since uh, since birth, and but I've worked in the music industry and then I uh, got involved in assistive technology because of being involved in some political organizations and out of all that I ended up at age 50 I decided I still wasn't too old to go back to school so I went back and trained as a rehabilitation instructor for the vision impaired and I've just done a lot of stuff related to that as I say especially to do with uh, taking the instructional sorts of things to do with rehab teaching and transferring them over to how to use a touch screen when you can't see it. So that's what I'm in Ontario to do this time. I'll be doing a presentation at the CNIB National Braille Conference next week. Last Friday I did a presentation at the London CNIB Community Hub. I'll be doing another one at the Toronto CNIB Community Hub on Monday, and, uh, oh... Yeah, it's a week from today. Yeah. And the, CNI- the CNIB conference, the Braille conference, actually, will be talking about next week because Carrie and I will also both be attending that conference, and Carrie actually will be speaking. Yeah, so I've been asked to do a presentation there as well, so I've never been, so that's exciting. Um, you have been, been, Tom, to that conference? Oh, I've been to a number of Braille conferences. Yeah, I pre- presented a couple of times. Are either of you coming to my presentation? Well, we had a bit of a <laughs> conflict with that because <laughs> Carrie, Carrie is, and I wanted to, but then Carrie was saying, oh, I want you to go to oh, a different on. one so <laughs> that you can record it and I can uh, hear that one. So 
So I don't know yet. We'll we'll see. But I haven't. I've signed up for something else. But, but you're uh, presenting both days, right? Or no, I'm no, just presenting just Thursday. Oh. Someone else is presenting. Oh, someone else is presenting. Yeah. That 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 whole agenda was a little bit confusing for me for some reason. Yeah, Carrie and I have never been to the right. Braille conference. So and every session has four possibilities. So it's, or every yeah. time slot has four session possibilities. There's a lot going on at the Braille conference. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's coming up this Thursday and Friday in, in Toronto at the Science Center. Yeah, at so the Toronto Science I think it, Center. I think it's too late to register. I think it closed this past <laughs> Friday, but... Yeah, I'm, There's a lot yeah. of people coming from all over the country for that, I'll tell you. It's going to be fun to catch up with a lot of folks because a lot of people are interested. See, for learning Braille, we have all sorts of textbooks about how to put your hands when you read Braille, how to do this, do that. There's, all, there's a whole lot of literature about that. But for the iPhone, sure, we have lots of podcasts of blind people demoing apps going, oh, you just do this and you just do that and everything goes 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's all fun if you have some experience with the iPhone. But there isn't much literature about their, about how do you teach a person to hold the phone in their hand? How, how do you teach them to track the screen so that they can, they can explore the same way you would track a braille page to explore it? Because before the touch screen came along, all anybody could do was look at a screen. There was no point touching the screen. Right. It wasn't yeah, a touch a screen. new concept over the last several years that that's just kind of started up. And obviously touch screens can be a real pain for the blind, like those... Some know, of them that aren't accessible. machines that are not, obviously that don't speak... It's just touch. Um, whereas the iPhone is is such an amazing thing, and it's obviously changed what you uh, have been up to, Tom, since it came out. And like you said, the first time I got it in my hand, I was sort of like, "What do I do with this thing?" And so you need to start somewhere, and that's great that you offer that. So well, it seems to be taking off, and people seem to be interested. And the purpose of my presentation at the Braille conference isn't so much to go on and talk about all the cool ways to do it as to short uh, present those ways but also say does this literature exist yet and if it doesn't exist should be we be working on it and i just saw yesterday where there's 45 people registered for my presentation and a lot of folks know what i've been fiddling with and playing with so that tells me that there's a really cool contingent of people who want to hear about this and explore it and i'm hoping that this will be the beginning of a whole field of study where a lot of the people who are interested in this will start thinking a lot more about how do we write textbooks that, that teach this access to the iPhone the same way we have textbooks over the years that have taught access to Braille. Because of the touchscreen and the Braille page commonality, I, I think there's a big space there that actually needs to be filled that will help people learn a lot more quickly. That's amazing, yeah. Because, I mean, most people don't maybe realize that we use the iPhone. Um, you can just swipe yeah, and I mean, left it, and right. I sort of compare it to using a, a map where it's it's trying to picture something in your in your mind when you can't see, but still kind of knowing what's in relation to what. And yeah, it's exactly yeah. that with the touch screen where you know which row and which column a certain app is and you can automatically touch that spot and be right there instead of swiping along until you get to it and then, and then uh, getting into it from that. Well, the approach. interesting thing is that, you know, 
it wasn't part the, the the way blind people have used computers blind people use computers yep and they're very good at computers but the fact is that a lot of blind people who use the computer they use the arrow keys to look around for what they can find they use the tab key to look around for what they can find and then when they hear what they were looking for they press enter so when you transfer that over to the iPhone it's flick 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 until you finally get to the thing that you want mm. and you think some people are really quick iPhone users but you can flick 20 times yeah. but if you can drag down one time and be to the next thing you wanted you just skip 19 flicks so some of these <laughs> folks sound like they're proficient with their phone yeah, you hear them they're going, doing a whole going, lot of extra work yeah. to get the job done because they used a computer and they didn't have to relate to a screen but once you can relate to a screen everything gets way 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 faster yeah so I guess we will probably come back to this topic uh, in a few minutes but um, today is actually um, October 15th, which is White Cane Day, uh, if some people aren't aware. So, uh, you have had how many dogs? Guide dogs? dogs? I'm on my sixth dog right now, and I'll tell you, the reason I first got a dog was because one friend... I, I was sure I'd never have a dog. I was fine with a cane. I wasn't... I was 25 when I got my first dog. What made uh, me switch from the cane was that I was going somewhere with a friend, and she said, okay, let's go. And I had taken the first few steps and thought I was doing well, and then suddenly from a long distance away, I heard a voice go, hurry up! <laughs> and... It was a particularly complicated route that we were doing. I don't know. We were going, I think it was the graduate student residence at U of T, and there were benches and planters and all sorts of fun things you had to negotiate. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. She got through this whole thing that fast. What number do I dial to get one? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it helps us so much, right, for get navigating around obstacles and stuff compared to a cane where it's well, just... I think people are confused as to what the responsibility of the guide dog is and what the responsibility of the person, the handler is, right? Like, guide dogs are supposed to take you around like a, some broken glass on the sidewalk. But or you can't a use a guide dog until you know how to navigate with a cane. Well, exactly. Right. And that's what schools stress or they should stress. That is very important. But um, so today is White Cane Day. You have your guide dog here with you, but you came here today to the studio with us with your white cane. So maybe explain why why sometimes you or others might make that decision. Well, because I didn't have to do a whole lot of traveling, and I was taking a cab over here because I didn't know where it was. And there's no point taking your dog if you don't know where to direct it. Right. So uh, yeah, that I just figured it was of, quick. But you know, this year when we went to the National Federation of the Blind Conference in Florida, I left my dog home, and I was determined to prove that to myself that I could still use a cane. Yep. And see, that's a good thing to be able to do. Like, even though yeah. you have a dog, still keep up that cane practice they a little bit. They stress that, because, because the dog could get sick at any time. You don't want to think about that, but you know, you don't want to be stuck all of a sudden and, you know, be... <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a decision everybody makes at one time or another. Brian and I both had dogs, and we sort of did the same thing depending on the situation um, but the, as far as the debate between guide dog and cane it's sort of a it's a matter of personal choice yeah, yeah no, and it's sure. a matter of situation I mean I don't want my dog to be there are some people who take their dog everywhere no matter what and, and, and I've never been like that there's lots of times when you don't why, why put the dog in an uncomfortable situation if you don't need to and the more fluent you are with your cane the, the, the better position you're in to have uncomfortable situations for your puppy. We don't want to have that. And the the, the the people you're staying with here in town 
uh, happen to have two other guide dogs. There. Oh yeah, they're having they're probably so being crazy. Well, having we're a ball. <laughs> yeah, we visited there yesterday, and it was it is different when you haven't been around that for a while. Yeah, and then you forget yeah, what it's like. Three you know, dogs, and it's, you and I had two. In, yeah, we in each a had house. one. Yeah, we've each had. Karen and I have each just had one dog in our life lifetimes, and uh, yeah, when we both had them at home growing up, it was. It was interesting, and yesterday fun. sort of took us back to that. Yeah. Well, my favorite birthday party was my 60th birthday because we got to turn seven Labradors loose in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> that was a picnic. There you go. <laughs> but, you know, the important thing is that the, to use the cane, for example, I went to convention. All I had was the cane. The dog was back home in Canada. And then we had this lovely thing called a visual interpreter service, which is called ERA. And how that works is that you hold out your iPhone, you're connected to a trained representative who looks through the camera of your iPhone and guides you where you're going. They can also pull up Google floor plans and everything to see where you are. So I would just open ERA on my iPhone and say, I'm in this part of the hotel, I need to get to another. So with my phone in one hand and my cane in the other, I was able to travel through this monstrously complicated hotel without help from anybody except the ERA rep speaking in fact, in my case, because my iPhone is hooked up to my hearing aids, it's great. I'm just boogieing through this hotel with nothing but a cane, and this voice in my head is telling me, turn left, go around, oh, there's some people there, oh, watch out for that pillar, okay, now the stairs are coming up. So, yeah. here I am in this hotel where I've never been, being guided by this voice, and just flying through the place with a cane. So, now I'm not afraid of a, what happens if I can't use a dog, and that's partly why I did that, so I would make sure to reestablish my confidence with a cane. Right, and you and you used Ira uh, uh, at the airport when on your way here too? Yeah, in the Calgary airport. I got off at gate A15 and I just pulled out my phone, called up the Ira rep and said, hello, I need to get to B37. And uh, she just said, scan your phone for a minute or so. Let me see where you are. Scan from left to right. She said, okay, now I know. Yep, turn just a bit to the left. Okay, walk straight. And from there, she guided me through several long hallways and through several food courts and all kinds of things like they have it an airport and there I was at my next gate she guided me right to a chair where to sit she said now move your camera the service ca the service desk is there the chair is right in front of you sit down have a nice evening no local human assistance required yeah and that's incredible airports are one of the trickiest places yeah. to navigate with, without sight um, yeah. they offer or they should offer um, a, rep, a rep to help you find your gate and all that and but yeah it definitely happened at at this past convention in Orlando that we've been discussing that I heard where some people had got left behind and had to miss their flight because a bunch of blind people showed up at the airport after the convention and there were only so many volunteers yeah. or people at the airport to help them get onto the plane crazy. so yeah. it's stuff like that can happen and you know with technology and IRA and stuff well that's what happens when 2400 blind people are all trying to come and go at the same time yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we were all three of us were also all at that um, convention back in or, uh, uh, July there so have in you, Orlando we were just curious Tom if, have you been to any other NFB conventions before no that was your my first, first time? NFB that was your first convention one too. I've been to a number of American Council of the Blind conventions okay oh Right. So there's several organizations there's for the blind. Yeah, so there's, because um, you've also been to the uh, AEBC convention before, right? Is that correct? I have. That, which is the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians. Mm -hmm. Another have organization. have so many groups. That, yeah, as Carrie just said. We just need one group all organized to kind of, uh, I think they call it solidarity. But the only problem is we none of us can decide which, what group <laughs> which that should where to be. Go and That's so kind of a Canadian problem more so than an American. Yeah, problem. indecisive sort of... Uh, that's true. 
we know all about that our indecisiveness but um i just wanted to uh jump topics a little bit and quickly mention that um you said you were in in the music industry for a little bit or at least involved in some degree and i i know you went to fanshawe and studied music industry arts which i graduated from last year so maybe just a quick quick overview on your experience in the music world well, my and experience you know, in the music industry was that i decided i didn't want to be in it <laughs> i sort of didn't stay yeah, i got involved enough. in blind it's politics one, after yeah. i graduated from fanshawe and then mm-hmm. uh and that led me into a job where I was using technology, and then I got a bunch of equipment from rehab, so all of a sudden I found myself in the assistive tech business. And the thing is that when you go to a, pl- a place like the Fanshawe Music Program to break into the music industry, the first bunch of the gig is like, here, go wind up these chords. Here, go bring people coffee. Right. All sorts of stuff yeah. that you can't necessarily do conveniently as a blind person. Yeah, that's what I've found for sure. It's like, yeah, a lot of them is setting up mics, tearing mics down, and it's not something that's impossible it's just it's tough when you're in a setting in a studio and it's like yeah this band's just traveled in here and they're paying for this and we need you to quickly set up all these drum mics there's it's a like, pace you gotta keep up yeah with. it's it is definitely a bit of a challenge at least the cool thing now is that the home software is so good i mean you've got pro tools on your mac mini there and you don't even need a recording studio you can just <laughs> do your own thing right from home now and it has pretty much the same quality as it would have done in a professional studio yeah absolutely i mean i just i, I do find it fascinating that you took that co- same course back in i think the 70s he said because it's just it's so different now and it would be you know sometimes i wish i could go back to that time and just take it then just to get the comparison and see what it was like before all the digital yeah because i didn't have any of the accessibility issues back in 1975 to 1978 that you had in 2013 14 15 yeah it all switches over right and uh yeah i don't know it's just it's an interesting thing to think about well the skills are still useful though because because of all my fanshawe experience at balance i got them interested in the idea not only did i get them in, into the idea of teaching a whole lot of iphone but we started doing independent living skills podcast so i'm probably about the only person you'll ever meet who has an undergraduate in audio production and a postgraduate in rehabilitation teaching so there i was making all these podcasts for the balance participants so it all fit in to do something pretty diverse and pretty interesting, really. I've been lucky in how all the weird stuff I've done in my life has actually coalesced into into something kind of pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's a good point. It's, you know, you might study something or or go into something and then realize, oh, I'm not going to make this my living, but you can still use aspects from that in future careers or interests. Oh, totally. And, you know, we'll be doing that... uh, my website, for those who are interested, is uh, www.ihabilitation. Think about rehabilitation, but take the re away and put the I of iPhone. So www.ihabilitation.ca. And if you know any vision-impaired people out there who want help with their iPhone, you can come to the website, you can go to the coaching page, and we're using the Zoom cloud meeting platform and we'll be doing lessons and they're not only lessons for blind people but they have a video component a split screen component that goes with it too so that on one side of the screen you see my hands doing the gestures on the iphone how you're supposed to uh, operate it and on the other part of the screen you actually see a real-time version of the iphone reacting to the gestures so a sighted uh, educational assistant or teacher oh, or wow. parent so, yeah, or friend that, yeah. can watch and say this is what he's doing here let me show you so it, it it's all about inclusive design and all that sort of thing you know 
a lot of people, blind people, complain about inclusive design and say, well, they never include us. But the fact is, inclusive design includes everybody because if it doesn't include everybody, then it isn't inclusive design, is it? <laughs> well, that's really great, the things you're doing in that website uh, you just shared with everybody. And um, it's, it's amazing how time flies at the half hour flying by but um again thanks for coming on because i mean i guess i'd say i would it's that thing about oh somebody will ask you oh you're blind well do you know this so and so the one blind person they know they ask you you must know them right yeah they always think oh you're blind you must know every other blind person so that's not the case but i mean we've known of tom decker for a long time never met him until i've I've met him a couple times 13 or so years ago um which is Seems like ages ago now, but yeah, he he is definitely one of those. He's definitely, as Carrie and I have commented with our show, we've kind of been out of touch with the blind community, and we're starting to get back into it. But but you're on things like AMI uh, every week. I'm also, on AMI which is uh, Accessible Media Audio every Tuesday audio. afternoon at three thirty, where the iHabilitation Man makes his appearance on Kelly and Company right. on so AMI Audio. You're the iHabilitation Man. Yeah. So again, you're you're pretty well known across Canada and maybe even I seem to be getting that way. Yeah, yeah. famous. For somebody who's retired, it, it seems to be happening. Well, that's great. I mean, you've you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. You've been many places and lived many places. And so and, one uh, one good question would be, which I think we kind of thought about was, how have you noticed over you, you know you're a bit a bit older than Carrie and I, yeah, so kind of end on this. Yeah, this question. Yeah how how have you noticed accessibility and living life as a quality, as a blind person? How has that changed over over your lifetime here in Canada specific? Here in Can- Canada, yeah, specific to Canada. Well, it hasn't changed as much in Canada as it's changed in some other places, but when you consider that I did university by writing all my stuff on a Braille writer, and then when I had it the way I wanted, sitting there and physically transcribing it from the Braille writer to the typewriter so that the sighted people could read it. I mean, I tell the young kids now that we used to do that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the the young ones coming up can't even use a Braille slate and stylus. And, you know, yeah. I took notes all the way through university with a slate and stylus. Wow. Nowadays, yeah. when I've used it, but not... not uh, I picked it up lately again, and it's like, not wow. Not a ton, yeah. It is a slow slow process, but you probably got pretty... That's how you did it back then. But everything's sure accessible that. on one level, but on another level, when the power goes down, everybody stops, you know? <laughs> yeah, you stop. That slate and stylus might come in handy. Yeah, I remember still. how to use a brailler or a no. slate and stylus, yeah. yeah. But there's definitely way more accessibility. I mean, now that we have iBooks and Kindle and everything, mm. for now, any book that's a bestseller that just comes out now, we can read it at the same time as everybody else. I mean, mm. that was unheard of. It used to be that you'd wait two or three years for the selection committee to decide whether we should make that book available in an accessible form. You know, there's not that stuff going on anymore. You can just get books like everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference now to what what it used to be like. Yeah, so it's great to talk to different people who have um, seen different things. Yeah, have different, more life experience and sort of, you know, been through but again, times and again, we wish we had, you know, many more half hours to keep talking. Yeah, there's to a you. lot to talk about. We still have a couple minutes left, so yeah, we can um, maybe talk about a couple, uh, something else. If, <laughs> I don't know what we got here. I'm trying to time it out, but... There's still a couple minutes left. <laughs> anyway. Um, a half hour flies by. Yeah, it does. So again, you're at 
Um, do you have any other social media? Are you basically anything else you do like to anything promote else you want to plug or, plug? or your I'm mostly? iHabilitation on Twitter. I'm www.ihabilitation.ca. I'm iHabilitation on Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm pretty findable. If you type iHabilitation into Google, you'll find me. It's really that easy because I right. just I'm trying to be out there. Yeah, especially I think last now, time right? I looked, I had 2,850 contacts on LinkedIn. Wow, that's <laughs> impressive. I've been building that list since 2011, so when it's time for me to sell my little coaching courses online, I, you know, I can tell 2,800 people in one message, and a lot of them are teachers of the vision impaired and people who are actually going to care. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool position to be in for my little semi-retirement career thing. Yeah, it's all about building that community. And I yep. found getting back into the, the blind community the last year or so, um, it's, I've already started to build up some, some con- quite a few connections and contacts. So, you know, just over time you get more and more. And um, especially now with social media, it's so easy to sort of make that happen. Well, my social media effort for the Guide Dog Coalition, which is to be talked about another week, (laughs) by the time I finished, it reached 44,000 people on Facebook, and uh, there was a lot of response from around the country. And I sort of looked at it and went, oh, how did I do that? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like magic, but uh, it definitely takes some work. There's a lot of, I find there's a lot of older people that are, you know, it's it's hard to keep keep in... uh, keep up with all this new technology. So it's great to see that that you're still, you know, in it and you're not just being like, oh, I don't have time for Facebook or this or that. You Pardon know, me, but I generally get bored by people. I'll be 67 in March, by the way. I'm an old thing. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I guess that's not old anymore. But not too frankly, old, no. a lot of people my age, I find boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good that you're still keeping it interesting. And, you can uh, admit that here. It's all right. I don't yeah, care. Absolutely. It's true. <laughs> I don't worry about that anymore. I want to do my knitting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Well, you're listening to Outlook, everybody. Um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on Twitter at um, Outlook CFB. Yep. Check that out. We need. We don't have that many followers yet. We just set it up. So <laughs> yeah, we're just we starting out up on here. that. But thanks. Glad to have you as our our second guest. Oh, well, well, thank you. I, I'm spreading the word about the CFB, too, So because we, we need to make that a broadly-based organization. Yeah, you've been very supportive of us here in Ontario, specifically. Yeah, we've, just, that, we've so. mentioned on this show that's kind of the inspiration for the show is the CFB in Ontario starting mm-hmm. up here. So, yeah, thanks so much for promoting that and talking about it because it, it means a lot. And um, Yeah, we'll have you back yeah, again. Look, look them up, ihabilitation.com, I think. Dot .ca. .ca, sorry. We're in Canada. We're Canadian. I should get that right, but, yeah. Thanks so much and we'll be back. We'll be back next week. We will be back next week.